This episode of the Series A podcast is brought to you by the Blockchain Founders Fund. The Blockchain Founders Fund is a global entrepreneurship and investment fund that focuses on adding value to emerging technology and blockchain projects with real-world applications. The Blockchain Founders Fund supports seasoned and first-time entrepreneurs across the key business function with a hands-on intensive go-to-market venture program. Our second sponsor is SGI Partners based in New York City. SGI Partners is a private investment firm that pursues compelling investment opportunities in middle market businesses. SGI has a flexible mandate to invest across the capital structure in control-oriented investments, raising from strategic financing to buyouts, allowing us to implement innovative investment strategies that preserve invested capital and mitigate risk while driving growth and creating value. As an, inv- as an advisor to SGI partners, I help identify investment targets in my geographical area. Now on to this fantastic new episode. Today I have the pleasure to speak with Niklas Holk. Niklas is founder and CEO at TradeWorks VC, uh, which is based in Singapore. TradeWorks is a venture capital fund investing globally with a focus on digital trade enablers. Uh, Niklas, welcome to Series A. How are you doing this afternoon? Thank you very much, George. I'm I'm doing really well today. Thanks. Uh, how are things in uh, Singapore? Yeah, Singapore is is slowly opening up, so that's good. Okay, that's good to know. So, um, why don't uh, we start? If you can uh, let us know a little bit about yourself, your background, and uh, how did you uh, start TradeWorks? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, um, I mean, I've been in, in in shipping and logistics my whole life. Um, I was born into a shipping family in in Korea. Um, I've lived on I've lived in five continents in more than 10 countries, I think. Um, and uh, after a few years in one place, I, I kind of get itchy feet um, and uh, typically move on to the next place. So uh, I actually grew up in Singapore, so it's it's good to be back and it's a great place to, to be. Well, uh, aside from all this COVID, um, all these COVID issues, um, but that's hopefully in the past. Um, so yeah, I've, I've always kind of knew, uh, known that I would, I would do something in, in global trade and transportation. Um, I got my first job in Procter and Gamble in the logistics department, which most people thought was crazy because, you know, Procter and Gamble, you want to work in marketing, right? <laughs> and in hindsight, maybe I should have, but at least that was my first sort of real logistics experience. And then, uh, Moved to Maersk, where I was for nine years, um, followed by Kostamara, a Greek ship owner, um, for a few years, uh, based out of Singapore. And um, then two years ago, I joined uh, Nordic Eye Venture Capital as chairman. Um, and, and to be honest, at that point, I thought I had sort of left shipping and logistics. Uh, but working on deal flow for their second fund, I kept on running into these crazy log tech startups and they would always tell me you know you're the first vc we've spoken with that understands what we're trying to do um and 
you know, I also have to admit to myself, I was much faster at understanding what these guys did than, than what a lot of these lifestyle companies that Nordic Eye typically invested in were, were doing. So it kind of, you know, after a few months became clear to me that I need to focus on Logtech. Um, and also because the timing is, is right. Uh, you, excuse me, did you say Logtech? Yeah, logistic technology. Okay. Uh, is it uh, focused in shipping or any format of logistics? No, the, any, any vertical within the logistics sector. Okay. So, yeah, so, so just a bit about logistics. I mean, it's, it's absolutely huge. It's something like 12% of gross world products, if, if you take a broad definition. Uh, it's, it, that's, that's $10 trillion. You know, it's just completely mind-blowing. And it's, it's uh, put it this way, it has been digitized, but it hasn't been digitalized. And, and right now we're going through, you know, an, an unprecedented paradigm shift, both in terms of technology and, and also culture. Um, so, so this, in my opinion, is really sort of the golden age of, of logistics technology where, um, Technology used to be reserved for, you know, the billion-dollar company that had uh, $100 million budgets. And now it's literally any company of any size can, can afford technology that will completely transform their business. So um, using your experience in Maersk and Costa Mare, uh, as far as I know, these are both uh, companies that move boxes uh, called yeah. con containers. Yes, so, correct. Um, and then these boxes end up in uh, trains or in trucks and uh, yes. and so on. Um, yes. So besides this part of logistics, um, I, I think I'm aware that uh, the, the shipping industry is also uh, uh, undergoing a digital transformation with other yes. types of uh, startups. For example, um, cameras monitoring uh, the hull or the or the office or the uh, engines. Uh, yeah. Just for example, uh, are these also projects uh, that uh, would interest uh, trade works, or is it your focus just in uh, log tech? Yeah. So, so I consider this part of log tech. So, you know, you can call it monitoring the the hull or the the engine. That's maybe some maritime technology, but I, I consider that part of the broader log, log tech. So, so we we look at all verticals, and if you take, for example, container shipping as the sort of backbone of of global logistics, you know, in order for that box to get onto the ship, and and after the box leaves the ship, you you touch pretty much every vertical in logistics. Um, so, so while I was at, I was at Maersk, I dealt with, I dealt with trucking projects, uh, rail projects, barge projects, container terminal projects. Um, so, you know, I, I really got a, I was, I worked in procurement initially in Maersk, um, and also in the end. And, uh, I got a lot of exposure to, you know, frankly, all the stuff that's going wrong. Um, and, um, yeah, that, that's just kind of, that's, that's what I do. I, I, I see things that are wrong and I figure out ways to, to solve problems. 
So um, after the shipping uh, chapter of your uh, career, you jumped to um, venture capital in Nordic yeah. I, as you mentioned, uh, and then now you have uh, your own fund. Uh, can you also uh, talk a little bit, elaborate on this uh, transition and uh, in particular, uh, what is the difference in having your running your own fund versus being a part of a, a team of general uh, managers or uh, yeah. Yeah, partners? Well, well, just just to quickly touch on that last question, um, running your own fund now compared to even one or two years ago has has changed completely um so I'll, I'll get back to that in a second um when when i moved to singapore that was was seven eight years ago um i started doing a bit of investment in i, I became kind of an angel investor um and and then i also invested in in nordic ivc and you know they performed really well so i invested even more in nordic ivc and and uh, then I was asked to join as their as their chairman, which, you know, wasn't really part of the plan, <laughs> if I can put it that way. Um, but I, oh, I just... What does it yeah. mean to be a chairman in a VC fund? Ch- chairman of the board. So, so every, every VC firm has the, 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 the GP and they have the carry vehicle and then they have, have the limited partnership. So I was the chairman of the, the GP and the carry, carry vehicle. Um, uh, so, so were you taking the investment uh, decisions? No. So I, I was not in charge of the investment decisions. Um, and seeing as though I didn't have a VC background, that was, that was probably good. <laughs> um, so I, I then spent the next, the next, you know, almost a year learning how VCs run. And at, uh, that's that's when at the same time when I was seeing all these log tech uh, startups popping up, that's when I decided to 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 have a, a go with my own fund. Um, but I didn't start with a fund. Um, we we started with a syndicate, which was just friends and family and and my own money, of course. Um, I met my my partner Tom, um, who also has a a pretty broad logistics background and also has his own uh, VC firm. Um, and after about a year of, of running with the syndicate, um, or actually less, less than a year, six months after our first investment, which, which was in a, in a company in Singapore called Quincus, um, they raised a subsequent round at a, at a much higher valuation and we were only able to follow on with with a quarter of our allocation. So, so Tom and I, you know, we kind of agreed that this this can't happen again. So we decided we need to we need to go for a fund so that we were always ready to do these follow ons. Um, and then we launched a it's called a rolling fund um, through AngelList. And and this is what I mean by even running your own uh, VC fund one or two years ago was completely different. Um, doing it through AngelList has been so easy and inexpensive. Um, so a year ago, I, I wouldn't have thought that I would have launched a, Wait, uh, a, a fund. I, I have some questions. Uh, if you can sure, sure. Like, uh, let us know a little bit how the syndicate uh, works and if you can mention some numbers, of course. Uh, yeah. Was it like a 2 million syndicate or 20 or 200? 
200. And, <laughs> and, 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 and about the rolling fund, um, of course, uh, our audience is uh, aware that AngelList uh, has this capability, but if you can, since you have done it, uh, it's really yeah. interesting to, if you can explain like in broad strokes, how it works, uh, how often you require additional capital and so on. Sure, sure. Okay, so so starting with the uh, syndicate, um, we've got uh, 3 million AUM, so humble beginnings. Um, like I said, it was a friends and family thing to start with. Um, actually, more than half of our investors have you know, a lot of senior logistics experience. So it's, it's kind of like an investment club, actually. Um, and how many, and, uh, I mean, what kind of a check size uh, and how many projects uh, were you funding? Yeah, we, we invested in four companies with, uh, with one follow-on in, in Quincus, like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and the check size is between 150 and a million dollars, 150,000 and a million dollars. So these companies were in uh, Europe or in Singapore or in the United States? Uh, one in Singapore, one in India, uh, one in UK and one in Dubai. So, so this, this would be seed stage investments? Uh, they were uh, seed, late seed. Le- okay. late, late seed and series A actually, sorry, a bit, a bit, a bit later than seed. Yeah. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah. Continue, Go ahead. Please. You continue. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So then we ran into that issue with, uh, we, we, we couldn't scrape enough money together to, to fill our allocation in the, uh, in the Quincus, um, uh, follow on. Um, so we, we launched a rolling fund and actually preparing for that didn't take long at all. It, it took, you know, a couple months, which is incredible. Um, and in the first quarter, we invested in Shipscart and Quincus. Oh, sorry, so, uh, Quiver. Quiver. So, <laughs> what are the requirements to to enroll in the Angel List rolling fund? Well, the the requirements are that um, you need investors, obviously. You need deal flow, um, and, and and aside from that, I mean, what? The, the requirements were that, that you need some committed capital. Okay. So I, I suppose you need to be an accredited investor. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Correct. So uh, with this process, AngelList uh, helps you find the outside money. Is that correct? Uh, no, not really. So you still need to find your own money, um, unfortunately. Uh, um, but but they do everything administratively everything so the only thing tom and i need to focus on is finding the cash and finding the right companies to invest in um and of course we we have an investment thesis that's that's set for the fund so we can't just invest in whatever we feel like it it needs to be um it, it needs to be according to this thesis which which for us is logistics technology at at seed to series a possibly series b um so there is no promotional uh, from angel list for example for someone that uh, wants to invest a small amount of uh, money in your in your rolling fund what, no, what is so the we, what is the entry uh, 
in check size for uh, for an LP? Um, well, for you, you can set that yourself as a as the um, as as the VC. So we we've decided on ten thousand dollars per quarter, um, and this fund is sixteen quarters, so four years. Oh, um, and, and what happens and, after the four years? Well, then then the investment period is over, and and we basically wait for exits. Okay. So the, the benefit of a rolling fund is that we don't have to raise, let's say, for a year and then invest over the next three, four years. We can raise, invest, raise, invest, raise, invest, raise, invest 16 times, which, in my opinion, is, is a lot more efficient. Uh, why 16 times? 16 quarters. So over four years, there are 16 quarters. Okay. So every every quarter is its own mini fund. Okay. Um, this sounds like kind of uh, being pressured by time. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, pressure creates diamonds, right? Yeah. No, I, I think actually, actually, I, I prefer this to to having a regular fund because when you're when you're raising a normal fund. Um, you can either decide to have first close, second close, third close. And by the time the third close happened, the first close investors are unhappy because they've had their money locked in for so much longer time. Um, and and if you don't do the first, second, third close model, then you, you're you're watching deals go by because you haven't you haven't called any capital. So in this way, when a deal comes up, we can look at it straight away because we're raising money for that given quarter. And the deal can uh, come from anywhere uh, globally. Is that correct? Yeah, we, we, we look globally. I mean, right now, like I said, we're looking in, in Greece. Um, uh, and into we're the also... Shipping, into the shipping sector. Yeah, this, this is uh, maritime related, yeah. Okay. So we, we, we look all over the world. And... So uh, what, yeah. what's the size of the fund? Is it a fixed size? No, no, no. It's, um, I mean, we, we would like to target up to 5 million a quarter. So right now we're around a million a quarter. Um, so we, we want to grow that. Of course, we need to find investors for that. And um, is there some kind of problem if you don't manage to find uh, all the money? Or you just uh, invest what you have? Well, basically, we just invest what we have. Okay, so, so there's no restriction over there? No, there's, there's no minimum. I mean, there are some minimum administrative costs that we, we have to cover. But um, like I said, it's, it's not, not too bad. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it, it, it's actually, it fits perfectly for my, for my temperament. It's efficient. Um, and uh, frankly, there, there are lots of benefits. If, if, if we hadn't seen this, this uh, rolling fund through AngelList, we wouldn't have done a fund. We still would have just been doing a syndicate. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, staying a bit on the AngelList uh, rolling fund uh, procedure, is there mm-hmm. like uh, any other benefits of, um, I mean, is there like a community? Because there, I suppose there are many funds on this uh, platform, uh, yeah. are there any sort of yeah, so uh, collaborations? Yeah, there are lots of funds and 
and every fund has a, a fund profile, which is, is listed on AngelList. Um, and, and then once in a while, there are some sessions where, where we sit with, with other, um, other VCs, uh, other firms that have funds on AngelList with the AngelList people. And, and we sit and talk about how to raise money, how to improve the AngelList platform. Um, so it's, it's, it's quite new actually. Um, but uh, so far we really like it. Yeah, so uh, I guess uh, I'm repeating the question again, but uh, since AngelList is such a, a prominent platform, yeah. don't you get like incoming uh, investors that didn't know you before, but now since you are on this platform, they can see your profile, see your uh, track record and uh, what you do uh, without you going out to fetch them as uh, limited partners? No, we, we need to create our own LP flow. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I agree with what you say. That, that would be amazing. Um, but as it stands now, we need to market our own fund and find our own LPs. Excellent. Um, tell us a little bit about the projects and what you expect from the founders. Of course, uh, there are many founders listening to this conversation. Uh, if they have an interesting project in the maritime tech or log tech, uh, how should they approach you? What should they be ready for and prepared for uh, in terms of um, perhaps uh, MVP or traction or yeah. whatever else uh, requirements you might have in order to take a look and uh, perhaps invest in them? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it all starts... Okay, obviously, it needs to be logistics, it needs to be technology, it needs to be somewhere between seed and series A, ideally. Um, we really like to look for network effects. So is, is there something they can do that, that helps them to drive rapid scale, that helps them to increase the product scope, um, that helps them to create a moat? Um, but in the end, it all starts with the problem. And, and, you know, can the founders articulate a clear problem um, where we can see there's a large and growing market? Um, it's an urgent problem. It's a big problem. Um, you know, a lot of money is lost or a lot of money can be made by solving this problem. Um, and is it a problem that happens often? You know, so, so hopefully it's a problem that happens every minute. Um, and in terms of the solution, you know, why, why their solution? Why is their solution better than what else is out there in the market? Um, and, and part of this is the founders. Like, what do they bring to the table that's another founder? Specific experience in that, in that logistics vertical. Um, do they have experience within technology, for example? Uh, hopefully they have both. Um, but something that sets the founders apart from, from others. Um, is the product 10 times better than what else is in the market currently? Is it significantly better than what other startups are offering? Um, also important for us is product market fit. So at least through the rolling fund, we only invest in something that has sales traction, um, has customers on board who are using the product. Um, and, and again, back to the network effects. Um, is customer acquisition cheap? Um, 
is is there a way that users drive data which drives more products? Can the data drive new products in new markets? Um, yeah, so th those are that's basically a, a checklist of what we look for. So uh, you invest in uh, companies that might be in any continent. Um, yeah. This might, uh, ha has the issue arise from any of your investors that uh, um, they might want to know where their investment uh, in which uh, jurisdiction is because of uh, tax, taxation purposes, uh, or are you totally free to invest anywhere uh, an opportunity might arise? Um, well, before the fund, like I said, we, we did it through a syndicate. So, so there, every investor decided whether or not they would like to invest in, in this specific deal. Um, so, so far, nobody has raised the issue of, of taxation. Um, and, and in, the, in the rolling fund, in the quarter that we just closed, again, taxation hasn't been raised as an issue mm -hmm. not yet um so after you decide to invest in a company uh then uh, there is some sort of a negotiation in terms of the valuation of the company uh yeah. who who does the due diligence and uh, is this uh, what usually goes wrong in those uh, negotiations if if something goes wrong or is it a walk in um, the park well, let, let let me think. We we haven't really experienced any any big issues in due diligence so far. Well, let me think back. Nothing really comes to mind. So so Tom and I we do the commercial due diligence, um, and it and it starts with you know the big picture. So aside from this checklist, I mean, do do we understand the problem and the solution? Do we see it working? Um, and then the the test is: do the customers also see it working? Um, and the fact that most of our investors have a logistics background, you know, we can always find someone who knows something about what this is. And then obviously we, we take on board their, their views. Um, so it's a, I don't know, I guess you could say it's a, it's a broader collaborative approach to, to finding out what we want to invest in. But um, do, do all the projects already have customers? Yeah. For the fund, yes. Okay, so that's a requirement. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that's that's part of the the, the investment thesis. So, and so that's uh, non-negotiable. Once you onboard a startup, uh, yeah. how how do you help the founders, and how do you monitor uh, what they do and the progress? Yeah. Okay. So, for example, um, for one of the startups, um, we introduced them to a co-founder um, who, who became the chief commercial officer. Um, we introduced them to, to their first international uh, sales guy. Um, also introduced them to their biggest customer. Um, that was one. Um, working on another project now where uh, we've introduced them to a, another potential big customer and where we're actually flying over and we're going to join the, uh, the first demo meeting, um, you know, both for our sake to really understand how the product works, um, but also to, to get a feel for what the customer thinks about it. Um, so we prefer to invest 
in companies that can use our help. So, for example, uh, Tom is on the board of uh, Quiver. Um, um, I'm an advisor of, of Quinkus. Um, and we, you know, we want to use our experience. Put it that way. We, uh, we're not the guys that come with the biggest check or the highest valuation. Um, I would you, almost say on the contrary. Yeah. Could you, could you say, uh, explain for the audience what, what does uh, Quinkus do? Uh, Quinkus is, is, is basically an operating system for, uh, for example, logistics operators. So, so let's take UPS, for example. They've got, well, what do they have? Uh, I don't know, 100 planes, 1,000 trucks, uh, 100,000 employees, and a million packages a day. Uh, uh, th those aren't the right numbers. I'm just sort of giving mm -hmm. an example. Um, so, so basically, Quinkus provides the basically the operating system that allows uh, UPS to optimize their network across all different modes um, and their people, and and make sure the packages get from A to B in the cheapest, most reliable reliable way possible. It's it's pretty mind blowing, actually. Yeah. Um, and and that's it. It's when I first saw Quinkus, uh, and that was one of the first uh, one of the first startups I really looked at while I was at uh, at Nordic Eye. And it, it kind of it kind of hit me. You know, this is what I've been dreaming about for a long, long time. And and they had a solution. So it was yeah a, a bit of a okay an epiphany for me. So you help. Uh find big customers you help with the strategy and the product what mm. happens if uh, the money uh, in the uh, bank account runs out <laughs> yeah um well that's a that's a good question um the thing is when when you're investing through a fund um, we we need to be true to our thesis, and and we we can't we can't really prop up companies that are running out of money. Um, we we could do that on the private side if it's something that that we believe in, um, but we we don't want to take that kind of risk through the fund. If if you understand what I'm saying, yeah. Uh, uh, but you mentioned something so, so about follow-on investments. Yeah, but we're we're not an investor of last resort. So if, if it's a follow-on, which which is sort of the natural progression of 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 the company, you know, they do their Series A sales increase. Um, you know, everything looks good. Then we will participate in the follow-on. Um, but the later the stage, the the lower the likelihood that we will lead any round. So we we tend to not want to lead unless it's part of a, a let's say a consortium of of investors um, because when you lead you you need to spend a lot of time on the on the legal and financial due diligence and to be honest our strength is on the commercial side so you know we prefer to invest in companies where there is a lead who's strong on the financial and legal side. Um, and, and then we can, we can help on the commercial side. 
Okay, yeah, of course, makes sense. Um, going back a little bit to the um, LP and uh, your uh, minimum check size, uh, I think you said ten thousand uh, dollars. Uh, let's, yeah, let's per quarter. Say, uh, yeah, per quarter. Let's say uh, hypothesis. So somebody who's listening to this is interested to uh, uh, first. Are you raising right now? We're we're always raising. Okay, That's the you're always, rolling fund. Rolling always fund. raising. <laughs> okay, uh, so if somebody wants to put ten uh, k, uh, what what happens? What kind of uh, um, reporting do you do, or um, what, what is the uh, expect expectation somebody should have? Okay, so somebody wants to invest ten k, they can either just reach out to to me or or I should say my, my partner's name is Tom Whitby, um, who, who also runs Oracle with VC. So they can find us on LinkedIn and we can just get a conversation going and, and we can point them to AngelList. So the, the investment itself is all run through AngelList um, through our uh, fund profile. Um, and do, do they have to be accredited investors? Yes, you even must. Even for unfortunately. This, uh, small amounts? I know. I, I hate it. I really do. Um, I, I think that's a big you know, limitation. Yeah, it, it is a huge limitation. I mean, you need to prove income of 200 K for two years, at least. Um, those are not my rules. I, I disagree with those rules. Um, but so I, that's I suppose just how it is. the, the fund. Okay. So the fund now I'm uh, side tracking, but the fund is in mm. Singapore, but AngelList is uh, American. Uh, isn't there a requirement that you have to also have like a Delaware Corp? No, no, no. So the, the fund is in the US. Oh, the fund is in US. Yeah. And and um, and TradeWorks is... It's a requirement the... that the fund must be in US in order to enlist in uh, AngelList. No, no. So, so AngelList has established the fund. So they, they control the fund and, and they do that as a standard in the U.S. So uh, Tradeworks is based where? Tradeworks is in Singapore. Okay, under uh, Singapore jurisdiction. Well, the, 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 the jurisdiction, because the, the fund is located in the States, that's the jurisdiction. And, and that's, okay. that's where these requirements for the 200K comes from. Okay, got it. Uh, but so, but well, yeah. so I, I just have to say, but if if you cannot meet the two hundred k requirement, you also you still have the option of investing through our syndicate, which is based in Singapore, which will then invest in the fund. And is this the same uh, minimum check size? Yeah, it's it's still ten k per okay. quarter. But but um, there there aren't the same. I would say <clears throat> crazy requirements for, for income. Because I think uh, on your website, I, I went over and I saw some, uh, a lot bigger check sizes. Uh, what? Like 500K or 2 million. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's what we invest in the startups. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, what kind of uh, reporting do you provide to your investors? Uh, well, it's it's 
standard reporting that comes from AngelList, but um, our investors join, um, yeah, it's quite simple. They join a WhatsApp group where whenever some news comes out of one of the portfolio companies, we, we put it on the group and we, and we chat about it. And if there are any investments coming up, any, any companies we like, we also um, take that discussion in the group. So it's, it's, it's quite informal. Um, and all the formal stuff, AngelList takes care of. Okay, that sounds uh, very nice. Um, do you also help um, the startups take them? Uh, do you also help them go to the next uh, investment cycle? Uh, do you connect them to like a bigger fund um, that yeah. would invest uh, after you, like in Series A, Series B? Yeah, so so we're we're doing that with uh, with one of our companies that's that's going to start raising an A round soon, um, where we also <clears throat> excuse me where we also uh, speak with potential investors um, and uh, and yeah I mean clearly that's that's part of what we do and and as we as we get more and more deals done and they mature we're going to spend more and more time on that so so. We still spend a lot of time on deal flow, obviously, um, but but we'll be spending more time on on growing the business, both on the commercial side, but also on the fundraising side. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us any interesting story about any investments you are uh, currently looking at, without uh, naming names, of course? Uh, yeah. Okay. So. Um, um what's an interesting story five minutes five five minutes okay (laughs) um so our first well the the first investment i was looking at um which which wasn't the first tradeworks investment that was quinkus but it's a company i was looking at before we invested in quinkus um and and actually uh we invested through through Nordic Eye, where where I was sort of on my way to transition to to TradeWorks, and um, at Nordic Eye we had a we had a clear policy of we cannot invest in a company without meeting the founders face to face. Now, when you're in the middle of COVID nineteen and basically every country in the world is shut down, um, that's a difficult policy uh, to to put it mildly. Um, so. You know, we, we spent, and, and this country was based in India, which at that time was officially completely shut down. Uh, so you needed to gain, get special permission to go, and then you needed to, to be quarantined and, and all that stuff. So, so basically, it, it looked like that deal wouldn't happen because we couldn't meet the founders. Um, until, you know, obviously, with, with, my background in shipping, you know, we, we spoke to some people in shipping in India who said, well, actually, if, if, you, if you contact these people um, and then you, you, you do this and you do that, you can get into India. You don't have to go to quarantine. Um, just, you know, just be flexible. <laughs> or, or how do you say? So, so it actually ended up that that three of us which which included the uh, the, the future co-founder and chief commercial officer we we uh, we we flew to india 
We didn't have to quarantine. We spent a week at their office. Um, and I mean, it, it was great. It, it, it really convinced me to, to do this, to branch out on my own and focus on log tech. Um, and, you know, so not just COVID, but also the idea of, you know, can, can we invest in a company in India? We were, you know, at least I was, I was pretty green. Well, still, still am slightly green in terms of investing, um, um, globally. Um, but you know, all our fears were put to shame. It, it worked. We pulled it off. Um, very happy with the investment and, and they're, um, gonna raise a new round now. So everybody's happy. And COVID free. Well, uh, I think everybody's had COVID. I've had it. Uh, still alive. <laughs> at, that, at that meeting? No. No, no, no. I don't know. Okay. Um, uh, finally, uh, Niklas, any uh, words of advice to founders uh, or perhaps even to uh, aspiring VCs? Uh, it's, uh, I don't think we had anyone on the show that uh, is doing a rolling fund in angel list. Uh, yes. Well, first. So if you can have like a word, a short word of advice to founders pitching you, of course, I will uh, include the uh, contact information in the show notes, uh, sure. but, but also to aspiring VCs for angel list or whatever. Um, look, just do it. Um, do, don't start by building a big product, start by finding a customer. Find a customer who has a concrete problem that you can solve. And, and you know, if you need to develop something, develop something simple that, that solves that problem um, and, and start there. So, so we're not the absolute early stage investor. Um, so, so, you know, don't expect any money from us, but if, if you can approach us with a problem um, that, that we think is important and, and we can check with, with our friends in, in the sort of logistics system, whether they think it's, it's an important problem. Um, and if we think that, that your solution could work, you know, then we're happy to, to have a chat and, and see where it can lead. Um, just, just do it. And, and you, you don't need to, to quit your job first, you know, do it while you have a job is, is my advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very important. Because the, yeah. the worst feeling is, you know, not, not knowing how you're going to pay your bills. Right. Yeah. So don't, don't risk everything. It's uh, logistics is risky. Um, get, get started and then reach the point where quitting your job um, has a clearer upside. And uh, should they build uh, solutions for a global market right from the get-go or locally? Uh, you, you know, um, I don't have a, a clear answer on that one. I mean, we, we, we like to invest in, in businesses that at least can have global applications. So, so yeah, we, we like to invest in global businesses. They don't necessarily have to be global. I mean, every business starts somewhere um, and that's fine. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion that if it solves an important problem somewhere, 
the same problem probably exists somewhere else. And there's a likelihood that with a few tweaks, you can solve that problem too. So yeah, global is good, but, you, but you, start, your, start locally, that's fine. Your advice to aspiring VCs? <laughs> you know, a, two, two years ago, uh, let's say so when I was I was with Nordic Eye and we were working on launching the uh, the, the second fund, it it was an absolutely mind blowing amount of work, and and it was unbelievably expensive. And I said to myself, I am never launching my own fund. Um, it, it's just, you know, it's just not me. Until I found AngelList, and it was it, it was really so easy. Um, so again how just, long did, how long did it take the process it just took a couple months i mean from from when we when we discovered this rolling fund till we actually launched it i i think it was not more than four months wow so it, it was easy for us to make the decision it was easy for us to get it going um you know you of course you need to find that investor base with, and, with and the, the sort of i guess uh, you also yeah. ha- need to find a good partner like uh, you have yeah uh, i mean look so i'm i think tom and i we we work really well together um and, and i i don't even think i would have launched the syndicate if if i hadn't uh, bumped into tom a while back are you so, both in the same city no, no. Tom, Tom is uh, is in Guernsey and and London, so sort of UK based. Um, I'm in Singapore, so we've we've got fairly good coverage of the world, aside from the Americas. Um, but I'm happy to fly to New York and Miami, no problem. Do you guys hold the regular uh, investor meeting? Yeah, on an informal basis. Okay. So we, yeah, we're we're both fairly informal people so you you don't want us to to administer funds put it that way we're, we're the kind of guys who will who'll find the good investment work with the founders you know and 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 try to make sure that they solve as many problems as they can okay i think we are going to close on this uh, note a fantastic closing note uh nicholas thanks for coming on the podcast yeah thanks a lot george We'll see you later. Yeah. All right. Take care.